And for those who want to hang in for a little longer, we have maybe 15 minutes or so for questions or dialogue. And see whoever has the first question. Uh, yes, uh, Jack. Um, George, hi. Nice to see hi. you. Nice to see you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, what I'd like to see if you can tell me, what as an elder particularly, what can I do during this time to help or to do be of some service uh, to the world or to to anybody? I feel like I'm just in, sh in this shelter just locked up by myself and I'm not doing any good for anybody. And why am I even here? Uh, so I'm just wondering if there's, you can suggest what I might, the path I might take to uh, see if I can be of any help. At this you know, time. there's a difference. There's a difference between being an older and an elder. You know, an elder is actually the role that you inhabit to, to be there for others. And I hear that beautifully in your question. I want to be, you do something meaningful and not just be old, but actually be it, inhabit that role of elder. So a question for you, George, what do you care about? Well, um, I care about justice. I care about trying to alleviate suffering in the world. However, I can do that. Um, and just to be a, be of service to somehow be be important in in being able to accomplish something along those lines of uh, being helping yeah. people. Yes, yeah. beautiful. All right. So um, what I'm going to suggest, since you do need to protect yourself and stay sequestered, since you're online with me, you obviously know how to do this. Is that you go online and go to certain organizations. You could go to vote.org, which is an organization that's trying to get out the vote across the country, and they will give you ways to send messages or texts or emails to people. You could go to Southern Poverty Law Center that's been fighting for justice for years and say, I want to volunteer. How can I help? Um, find the sites or go to, you know, Amnesty International or go to um, ACLU or whatever it is that's close to your heart and say, I want to volunteer. I want to use my time. And even if you get turned down in two or three places, sooner or later, somebody's going to say, George, yes, we have just something for you to do. So, uh, and then let me know, send me a message to Spirit Rock. I want to find out what it is that you've done. Oh, thank you. I will pursue that. Yes, thank you very much. It's a yeah. pleasure. Next up. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for this beautiful um, teachings. Um, what's alive for me right now is... Um, is this idea of birth, having given birth and having this like really intense images coming. And as we are rebirth, uh, rebirthing or birthing this new world uh, and holding hand with the 10,000 warriors of light that might be plugged into this process, 
I'm, I'm struggling a bit with what if this midwife is uh, the, the indifference? Are those gatekeepers that are there saying, get out of this laboring room and let's C-section this baby because we're in a hurry right now or there's economy to be open or there's struggle. So the indifference of those that hold the power that perhaps are uh, forcing this baby to be born in ways that might be still born. So um, first, I just want to feel into your question. Um, you're concerned and really concerned because there are things that are happening from the government or people who have power, power that are destructive or that are you know, undermining what good could come of these crises. Um, and we could go in, we could talk about all the ways that that's yeah. true. And I feel the, the concern and the caring underneath. I just need to remind you of something. It's women who give birth and nothing can stop them. <laughs> just feel that, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, if there's people in power, women know how to do it. <laughs> And nothing stops that. And I want you to just feel and own that there is something in you in spite of all this. And as I said, we've gone through this for centuries and, you know, millennia of bad leadership and, and epidemics and tragedies. And it's women more than men that have kept it all together and that give birth to the new. So I'm not worried about the power um, when I look into the eyes of the women of this world. Um, there's something else that's here, and I really trust that power. Mm. How's that sound to you? Mm. Yeah, I, I'll I'll keep practicing. Uh, the fear is very alive, uh, for sure. The fear is under there, as I've witnessed babies not being born alive, right, because of interruptions and external interventions. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, and. This this is a big baby, and we're 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 all, we're in it, and it's not the women know how to do it. Thank you, thank you, Master. Hi, Jack. Um, Hi, Dan. Thanks for this uh, evening. Um, <clears throat> like many of us, I I'm, I'm feeling a lot of anger and a lot of frustration at what little progress <clears throat> we've made um, as a race, I guess, as a human race. Uh, I, like many others probably on this call, were, was, was in Washington, D.C. 50 years ago and, and, and thought perhaps we wouldn't have to do it again. And, and now I'm not sure we've made much progress. Um, I'd like to look back on 2020 and say, and not say, what did I miss? But I'd like to say, what did I accomplish? What was I able to do? And, 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 and you, you bring up a, a, a good point here of, of, of kind of creating a broader awareness. So racial injustice is, is, what's, is what's want, what, what was what's really getting to me these days. And, and I'd like to reach out um, and, and try to do something about it. <clears throat> by bringing that broader awareness and being one of your warriors. Now, I'm an early practitioner, and a lot of my friends 
and family are back in Michigan, where they're, where they're all early practitioners. What might be a short list that I can remember and that I can, that I can bring to my, to my friends and family that help kind of relate this message, the, the message of how the Dharma can help us with our right white privilege and how that might affect solving some of this injustice. Well, thank you for the question, because it's so to the point of what's happening now. And when I go back to the first sentence or two, you said you were angry. Um, and when you feel that anger, what's underneath the anger? Uh, mostly what little progress we've we've made and right and so there's that there's that view i've been able to do uh, uh, along the way as well so i want to point to something else that might be there yes the anger's there because we've made we've made too little progress i would say the anger is also there because you care that under that anger wouldn't be there if it didn't matter to you that there's a kind of passion in you or a fire or a or a caring that's actually very deep that the anger is as big as it is because it matters that much to you i don't have a simple answer for you of what is the ideal practice to do um in some way you kind of have to listen inside i think of my colleague teacher friend gosananda the the Gandhi of Cambodia that I talk about frequently, where, you know, all 19 members of his family were murdered and he led those peace walks through Cambodia, chanting hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed. Um, for some people, it's a practice of compassion and loving kindness that you just undertake and you, you undertake it so that every human being you see, you offer them a blessing. For some, it's a very active thing as well, like George had asked, and you say, I'm going to work on getting out the vote. And personally, I am doing that. We have a project to, to, to um, mobilize all the Dharma communities and all the yoga practitioners, teachers around the country, the yoga teachers and Buddhist meditators help get out the vote, not just your own vote, but other people. You could do that. So, you could, so finding an inner practice... Um, that nourishes you and strengthens you. Um, there is a book that I did that it's not really about social justice. It's more in the flavor of what we did this evening of a peaceful heart. But it's called The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. And there are some practices or passages in there that may be helpful. Um, I think in terms of your family and friends in Michigan, that the big thing is if you express your care, even more than your anger, if you say, not only do I care, but here's what I'm doing. You know, people learn somehow, we learn in resonance one another. And if they feel like, hey, Dan is really doing something, I want to be part of that. I think that you're doing that will in some way bring them together with you more than anything you could say to them. So I, like I thank you for your care because underneath it, 
everything you said is a big heart and it's, you know, now it's time to put it out there. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Jack. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for the teaching tonight. That was really beautiful. Um, the peaceful heart really resonated. Uh, I'm very aware of this feeling of not doing enough right now. And I am someone who's very grateful that I am still working full time. And I work- What are you doing? I'm working in healthcare and I'm a mental health provider. Um, even seeing some people individually right now. Uh, and important. I think it's really needed, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> My question is, it's, it's been partly really addressed when you were talking to the, the first responders, and it's how to hold this suffering of others when simultaneously feeling pretty stressed out during this time as the acuity is just up for, for all of us. Yes. What have you learned that helps you so far? <sighs> Sleep. Yes. <laughs> uh, being in nature. Yes. Uh, talking to people. Yes. And knowing that when I am with people, I am present. Mm -hmm. Well, you've answered most of your own questions. Sleep more, walk in nature, <laughs> you know, talk with people. Um, and maybe some of those things that I said for the first responders, maybe it's time to make your altar and so that you don't carry it in your body, sweep mm -hmm. through your body at the end of the day give it back to Mother Earth or give it to Kuan Yin to carry, you know, do those things that nurture you. Um, you already know how to do this. Mm. And what you're, you know, you're in a tough birth process. Like a lot of people as a first responder, you're right at the, you know, you're right at the side of this birth happening. And so you do have to take care of yourself. There's a famous story of a, it's called the Bamboo Acrobats. It's a traveling kind of mini circus thing that came through the villages. And there was a, a father and a daughter and she would climb up this pole and do tricks and he would carry this long bamboo pole. And they asked the Buddha, um, they had a disagreement. Father said, I'll take care of you if you take care of me. And the daughter said, no, no, I should take care of myself and you take care of yourself. And they went to the Buddha say, who's right? And he listened to them. And he said, I hate to say it to you, Dad, but actually your daughter is right, as it is often the case. Um, and he said, um, if she takes care of herself, she will also be protecting you. And if he takes care of himself, he will be protecting his daughter as well. So um, there's something in what you say. You already know the nature and the, you know, the sleep and the taking time and mm -hmm. um making maybe now adding to it some rituals and practices um, and just know that you happen to be at a time of messy birth and you have to keep yourself 
properly cared for so that you can do it well. And I thank you for that. Thank you. Last one. Hi, Jack. It's Tracy. Maybe not last. One of the last, please. Uh, so my, um, my question is, uh, what or how does white awakening work relate or intersect uh, with the Buddhist teachings? What makes you ask? Uh, the reason I'm asking is I find that I've heard a surprising number of um, uh, harsh, unkind, and flat-out rude um, replies when I speak about doing uh, white and awakening classes or programs, and they were so profound for me personally. So uh, it's it's interesting to to take that energy that comes that feels very negative. Yes. Um, yeah. What do you do with that when, when these people disparage it or they're so negative? What do you do? Well, I, you know, I, I notice my body, of course, and almost instantly sort of like, wow, that I, um, it makes me, I feel sad. Yes. And I feel um, as an energy that sort of arises and um, really wanting to convince, <laughs> convince them yeah. uh, that they should take another look. Um, and I, I realize, you know, it, it is, it's, there's a passionate fire about it in that work and it's been yes. profound in my my practice so anyway so a few things first i'm just listening to you with a lot of respect for doing the work that you're that you're describing um because it's the work that we all need to do um the buddhist teachings primarily talk about the inherent dignity of every human being you know, and the Buddha was very clear in the racist caste system of India of having everybody come and be respected, um, quite against the entire social structure of the time. Um, and there are teachings and teachings about the value of every human being and treating each one. So you're doing that in this beautiful way. And then what happens you know, as you wake up and you realize that the society more and more clearly ways that you may not have seen um, is so structured in ways that people are not only ignorant, but because of it, they're causing all kinds of suffering and they don't even believe it or know it, but it's there woven in. You, you see all of that. And then they say to you things like, oh, that's a bad thing or the negative things. And you feel it in your body. You feel sad, you feel it in your body. Part of what happens in doing this work is that you enter the territory of, the, of suffering and you voluntarily do it and say, all right, I'm gonna open my heart and my mind to actually recognize and feel the oppression that it's like, I mean, what, what happens? You can walk down certain streets or in stores or go places and 
you'll just be, and you can trust that you'll be accepted. But if you were brown or black or poor, you know, in certain other, other a person of color from whatever, um, you'd be seen with suspicion, you know, or worse, or tailed or pulled over or whatever. You know all this in some way. So you, you begin to see the fabric of the, of the society and the suffering of it, but it's not enough to see it. If you really engaged in some way, you also feel it. You can't not because you're a human being. Mm -hmm. And then when you get dissed by others for it, what you're experiencing then is the pain that people have experienced for a really long time for every black or brown or BIPOC person who spoke up and said this, you know, like every woman that spoke up and said something happened and people said, no, no, and dismissed it or got angry. Um, you're now party to that pain and you can't really fix it. But what you can do is see the fear that's behind it because all that reactivity and all the grasping and all the aggression and so forth, if you look underneath it, there's fear. And knowing that you also then can hold them with some compassion, even that ignorance and so forth. You're not gonna convince them with your words at all, but you'll convince them with your love you know, when you just say, you know, I just feel like I need to do this work because it's a, it's a work of love for me. It's a work of learning to love more fully. That's what I'm doing. How's that sound? It sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. Ah. Hi, Jack. Hello there. Hi. Maria. Maria, Maria. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just wanted to really thank you for the uh, metaphor of the birth thing, because I felt that that's what we're going through. I'm 69 and feel the frustration of, of many of, you know, here we are and we still have so much going on over and over again in our lifetimes. Um, but my question is about um, inclusion and um, I guess more invitation. How do we get the broader community involved and in, uh, in the Dharma and in, be more inclusive of um, people of color of um, those who are you know, over 65. I felt a lot of stuff going on around this pandemic. And um, the queer community, I'm a, a Latina, lesbian, um, my, yes. Yeah, so um, that's my question is how do leaders, small and large, I feel I'm a small community leader, um, how do we become more complete, come, uh, inclusive as leaders in a broad sense? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm really appreciating both 
the genuineness of your question. Really, it's your concern, it's your care. And also the fact that as a Latina and lesbian and so forth, you know what needs to happen in some way. Um, I'll tell you something. Uh, in the early 1990s, so almost 30 years ago, I taught my first day long for people of color in Oakland at Reverend E's church, which was a, was a black church in Oakland that also a spiritualist church. And I thought, well, I'm gonna bring teachings of loving kindness, compassion, mindful self-awareness and so forth, how to steady the heart to people in a community where there's been so much targeting of racism and you know, injustice and poverty, and maybe this will be of value to them. That was my thought, right? I, I was wrong. In the room, 50, 60 people who came, black and Latina, primar Latino primarily, maybe a few Asian, uh, Asian Americans too. Um, instead of all these people that I was gonna turn on to the Dharma and beginners, it turned out almost all of them had long-term practices. They'd been practicing yoga and meditation and they said, you know, I just don't go to those white centers. It, it doesn't feel comfortable for me. But actually, I've been doing this a long time. And one guy stood up and he said, I'm the only black vegetarian Buddhist doctor that I know. And I feel like I've found my people. So the first thing to say is that it's already there in some way in the LGBT community, in the Latina community, in Latino community, and elsewhere in the black community. There's these very deep spiritual traditions already part of those communities. And I think there's also a lot of interest in the inner life in different ways. Yes. Um, so that reframes it a little bit. It doesn't have to be brought to, but actually what we wanna celebrate what's there and add to it or make it. And then the second part is that to say quite kind of personally to you, well, if you have a group, it sounds like you already are teaching in some way, um, put it out there, baby, you know, and invite people and uh, let it grow. I'm just thrilled that you're doing it. Um, and, you know, you have to find your own language and you're the way that fits into the community that you tend to. I'll tell one more story. I was in doing some peace work in Palestine and Israel. And I did a big benefit in Tel Aviv for mindfulness in Arabic. Like a thousand people came and we raised a bunch of money. And I was talking to one of the first Arabic mindfulness teachers working in Palestine and in Syria and so forth. And I said, oh, you know, it's so beautiful. You're leading little retreats and things. <clears throat> it's almost like people can go out into the desert. I was thinking of 40 days in the desert where you fast and you get visions. I said, you can invite people to go out like, like tradition has it to go and listen out in the wilderness and get inspiration and so forth. And that's, a, you know, maybe that's a beautiful fit for what's there in the, in the culture. Yeah. And she said, no, 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 that doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Going out in the desert for people it's, alone, it's a punishment. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if that's not the right image, what's the right image? And she said, the image is of a walled garden 
maybe a little oasis with a wall around it and fruit trees and so forth. She said, there's an inner walled garden that you can go in that has the, the fruits of the heart in it. And she was using that to teach. And I tell this story in some way in honor of the fact that you are translating into the community of people that you know and love the Latina community, the LGBT, and you'll find what is the metaphor that brings us kind of sweetness that they already know. Oh yeah, I know this. Yeah. Well, here's some ways that all that help. So yes. I, I'm, I'm part of your cheering section. Let's thank just say, and I thank you, Maria. So we need, to, we need to take our pause now and just take a breath I want to thank you all for the sincerity of your questions. And in it, you could feel people care, people's voices want to tend or help or serve or be together in what ways we can. And we feel it all the more acutely because we are isolated, but we're not completely isolated. We're not isolated in spirit and we're not isolated because there are things that we can do. And as long as you have breath and goodwill and good heart, there are beautiful things you can do. So let's just be quiet for 30 seconds. And trust your own caring heart, the ancient story that tells of the goodness and the generosity and creativity of humanity, that that is within you. And the longing is to make a difference in your life and others. And you will find your way. Thank you. Thanks to all who helped, to Jesse and Christine and all those who helped this evening. Much gratitude. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.